Um, this morning, uh, our senior pastor, Pastor Lau and Pastor Da, are down in uh, Los Angeles, right? They're in Los Angeles doing the, uh, conducting the revival down there. We have a church that we are helping to get started down there, and, and uh, it's really exciting what's, what God is doing um, in, in that, that fellowship of, of believers. There's a lot of uh, young, young people that are really on fire for God. You know, God's touched them, and their, their lives have been changed. And um, I believe that uh, more than 20 people from L.A. are going to come to our church camp in this August. And uh, then there's going to be even more people from um, our fellowship, the Fellowship Church in San Diego as well. And then people are going to come up from Phoenix too. So it's going to be, um, we actually didn't, I mean, we said, okay, you know, you guys can come if you want to, you know, but uh, wow, a, a lot of people are are excited to come up to Seattle to, you know, fellowship with us and also to spend time together in God's presence if you haven't signed up for church camp yet, there are still um, places available in the mountain cabins, which aren't too bad. If if like you, especially if you're a sing, single person, you know you just you know uh, bring some earplugs and a sleeping bag, <laughs> and I think you'll 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 be all right. Um, and mountain cabins are are pretty inexpensive as well. Um, if uh, if you can't get a place to stay up there. Um, you could also even find a, a hotel to stay in nearby, or you could make be a day visitor. Just come and, and visit um, during the day and then drive back. From Seattle, I believe it's about an hour and a half, just about one hour to, to the camp, but don't drive too fast. You know? <laughs> but um, it, it's not, not too far. But anyways, it's exciting. We're, we're going to have the, the camp come up. I saw... The theme is fruitfulness. It's very exciting to learn how to be fruitful. Um, I'm, yes. Yeah, I think it's $10 a day. It's pretty reasonable. Yeah. And um, there, there's a Costco at the, at the exit where you get off. So if you want to stop in, you know, grab a hot dog or, or whatever, you, that's very easy. <laughs> um, uh, the theme is fruitfulness. is very exciting. Yesterday, I was excited about my fruitful peas. Um, I, I planted a lot of peas in my garden. Pretty much, I just wanted you know, betting it all on peas. So <laughs> I planted peas all in my garden, and uh, they on the packet is said to thin them out. You know, by at least six or eight inches in between plants. And I was like, well, you know whatever <laughs> but yeah but they they grew like really really uh thick and close i was surprised my peas grew so much i had checked them just one one week earlier and they're just a little little peas i said oh little peas are so cute and then i just only saw a few and then this week i just waited only one week and so many peas and when I was I was going through, it took me like an hour to pick all of the peas. And I went out there with one bucket, and it was completely full. And I, I, I had to go in and get another another bucket to fill up the peas. But when I was picking the peas, I was feeling, you know, I'm really proud of my pea plants. Because 
they produced a lot, an abundance of fruit. And, and uh, you know, when, it, when I had been checking the price of, of peas, you know, down at Uwajimaya, they sell peas. I told my wife, uh, $4.50 per pound. So I was like, how many pounds do I have here? You know, it's at least 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. And these are organic from our backyard. So anyways, you know, we, we want to, this, this camp is going to be exciting. I believe um, this, this next year is going to be exciting as well. Because usually Pastor Allow teaches like a series, you know, on, on fruitfulness. Just like he did with ruling and reigning. It went on for, what, like, like eight months or something, right? right? But it was, it's very good because, because we really learn what it means to be in Christ, that we are not, you know, just pushovers in, in this world, but we overcome through, through Jesus. We can rule and reign in, in this life. In the same way, I think we're going to learn a lot about being fruitful. So this, this coming year, I'm excited to see, you know, how fruitful our church is going to be. We're going to be like the pea, pea vines, that we just have abundant fruit in this church. And God is going to be so pleased. He's going to say, I'm so proud of the people at New Hope International. They're so fruitful. Um, today is Father's Day, in case you, you didn't know. Um, I just have a, a couple, a little, uh, two short, short videos that I'd like to share with you. I was wondering, can you play the first number one first? And he's, he's getting this ready. <coughs> Thank you. So this is what they look like when they first come out. <laughs> this is about 10 months ago with, with, with Ruth when she came out. Can you play the, the second one, please? So... So th- this is just about just about one minute one minute later and there's there's uh thanks kevin <laughs> there's little ruth and and then you know she's she's uh she's crying because like wow it's like bright and cold and put me back where you know where i where I came from but but um after they get wrapped up and and stuff they're 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 they quiet down and then they try to open their eyes and and see who is talking to them is like I recognize that voice you know and and uh, Donna knows she works at the, but that's where she works. <laughs> so um, it's 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 a, a a wonderful thing. And the reason I, I'm sharing these videos with you is is because it's not. I mean that video is special to me, right? Because I was I was the the father, but you know, hopefully all the guys in in, in this room will be able to experience that, you know, and and a lot of you have. Many times already, you've you've experienced when when the child first comes out, and that feeling that that you get, it's really hard to describe. It's you're happy, you feel a great sense of responsibility, you feel like the um, 
you know, you need to protect and provide for, for this young child. It's a, it's a great weight that comes upon you. I don't want to say like a, a burden in like a bad sense, but like a, a weight that, that comes upon you when you see that child for the first time. I think maybe with the women, is, it starts earlier because it's like, you know, in, inside of you. But for the guys, it's like when the baby comes out and you hear it crying for the first time, and you see it, and and you can you can you can touch the little baby. It's it's an incredible, um, incredible experience. And the reason I'm sharing that with you is because I just want to communicate and remind those of us who are fathers what it is to be to be a father. You know that that sense of joy and responsibility. And the the interesting thing is that. All fathers, I believe, naturally will have this, this weight come upon them. And you know why? It's because it's from God. And God created all people. And what he's doing is he's taking a little bit of his own fatherhood, the, the, likely, likely, like, uh, the likeness of his own fatherhood, and he's, he's putting a little bit on you so that you... In, in that limited respect, are reflecting the true fatherhood what it, uh, of God. God definitely, he feels that joy and that, that responsibility over us as his children. And he takes a little bit of that and he puts it on us as fathers. And we, when, when we see the, the child, we feel that so strong. Hopefully we continue to feel it, you know, when, when they grow up and are naughty and stuff. But at when, when the babies first come out, you feel that so strong. It's the, the gift from God. It's the weight and authority and, and responsibility from God. And so when we honor fathers, we're honoring that gift, that responsibility that God has put on the weak men like you, you, and, you and me. We are honoring God, the, the role that God has given to, to these men. So it's a very great and solemn trust to be, to be a father. So God intends fathers to provide and protect for their children, right? Every father wants to provide, you know, food, clothing, shelter, provide opportunities you know, help them to go through school and, and uh, opportunities for school. They want to protect them, make sure they're safe, nobody bullies them, right? All of these things. These are the, the natural things that, that we think about. But for Christian fathers, the Bible says that we also have a responsibility to instruct and to train the children in the Lord. And this is probably... So what I want to say is that to provide and protect and provide opportunities for your children is good. But the most important thing you can do as a Christian father is to show them through your life an example of godliness and of discipleship, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Because when you do that and you're training and instructing them, then you're giving them something that's very important that needs to come from you. 
There's a a saying in in the world, a saying. It's not a Christian saying. It's just a saying. It says, "To the world, you may be nobody, but to somebody, you are the world." Right? You guys heard that? It, it's it's very true with with your your children, especially when the children are very young. When they when they grow older and have have friends, then you know. It's like, okay, see you later. Can I go now? You know, am I excused? <laughs> but when, when they're, they're young, they're, it's like you're their best friend. You know, you're, you're their best buddy, and they're so happy to play with you. And so it says, it's, it may, you are just another person to everybody else, but to your child, you are so important. And we need to, we have that special opportunity to model what it means to be a, a godly person and a, a follower of Jesus. So my message today is not how important the role of the father is. Um, I talked about that a little bit. But my message today is an encouragement to all the fathers that, yes, it is possible for us to do a good job. And we don't have to... Because a lot of times, you know, we, we, we have doubts and we have emotions, you know, that, that weigh us down. But my message today is an encouragement that, yes, you can be a good father. You can do what God has called you to do. I want to read with you Hebrews 12, 1, 1 through 3. Let's turn to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And this is going to be the focus of the sermon today. So you just, you know, keep your Bible open to, to that page. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, Since, or therefore, since we are surrounded by great, such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So, you know, when, when, whenever I feel weak, and usually it's not so much on Sunday mornings, but it's usually around Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday, you know, the, the times when, when you, you feel weak, that you don't feel like, Yes, I'm in God's presence, you know, and, and among the fellowship of the saints. When you face the difficulties in life and you feel weak, these are the types of scriptures that we need to hold on to, that we need to remember. All of us have, have emotions, right? People have, have emotions normally. Everybody has emotions. If you don't have emotions, something's wrong with you. Um, but when we, if we want to 
live and walk with God, sometimes our emotions are coming against us. They're telling us, you know, that, that we can't do it or that we, we, are, we are weak. We are, you know, we feel discouraged. We feel inadequate. And it's at this, times like these that we need to stand firm and make a decision out of our will that how we are not going to be ruled by our emotions, but we are going to walk according to the word of God, according to our faith. So you see, in this case, our faith is opposed to, to our emotions. When they tell us bad, the bad things, like we, you know, um, you're depressed or, or something, or you feel inadequate or, or down or sad, then you say, no. I'm, uh, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to do what, follow his example. And then, so today I want to look at this and what the Bible says about this. Because if we study it and keep these truths in, a, in our heart, then we can hang on to these and not be, you know, blown around by, by our emotions day to day. So let's take a look closer at what God promises. Let's, let's look, look in twelve, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So the first promise we, we have is that we have those who have gone before us. Now, you may wonder, it's like, well, you know, yeah, that's them, but... The reason, you know, the author of Hebrews, he spends all of chapter 11 going through all of these people, starting from, um, you know, what is it, Noah and, and uh, I, 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 or Abel, Alfred of better sacrifice than Cain and, and Noah and, and all of these people from the Old Testament. And he says, you know, all of these people, they overcame, they, they overcame kingdoms, they, they, braved the flames, the lion's den, and, and all of these things. And he said, they could do it. And even then, they didn't have the, the promises, the, the things that we, that God has revealed in us. And he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So we can remember, there's all these people back in the Old Testament. And then, because the author of Hebrews was writing in the first century, then there's, for us, we're here in the 21st century. Then we have 2,000 more years of men and women who have followed God faithfully. In, and they've accomplished great things, not because they were superhuman, but because they cooperated with what God was doing in their life. And this is an encouragement to us because we see that how God worked through these normal people to do extraordinary things. And it's an encouragement to us. I love to read the examples of the uh, great Christian men and women. A few of them I'll, I'll mention just in the last 200 years. A few of them I'll mention here. And I, I encourage you to um, you know, go to the library even. They will have these, these people's writings. One is the memoirs of George Mueller. George Mueller was a German man. He was converted 
And then he moved to England, and God told him to start an orphanage for for uh, poor and orphans and, and things like that. And he started an orphanage with his wife, and they had one daughter. And he said, the reason I'm starting this orphanage, that God told me to start this orphanage, is not only to take care of the orphans. Yes, I want to do that. But it's also to show Christians that they can rely on God for everything. And so his, he's, he said, you know, this is not a rule for all Christian ministries, but God told me in this ministry never to ask anybody for anything and never even to tell people what we needed, but to rely upon God for everything. So he kept a journal for I believe it was like more than 20 years, and it's just awesome. You can read the dates and, and his little journal entry, and he's talking about the needs that they have and, and you know, they, they, the prayers and the requests that they have and the, the difficult situations. And then you read one entry that says, Oh, thank God, you know, at 9 o'clock this morning we were praying and we needed it today. And then as soon as we got up, there was a knock on the door. Or the, the somebody sent something in, in the mail and, and we, we received what we needed. And throughout his ministry, it grew. And so he was able to open two, two orphanage houses and they supported overseas missionaries. But George Mueller is, is one very um, excellent example. They have a, a, a little a part on him, of him in VeggieTales. So if you guys watch VeggieTales, they have a little uh, George Mueller part. That's really, it's really cute. George Mueller is one. Another is Corey Tinboom. Have you, who's heard of Corey Tinboom? She is, she is a very great, great woman. Her story is in The Hiding Place. They made it into a movie and also the book. I have the movie. If you want to borrow it, you can, you can ask me. I, I, will, I will lend it to you. Corey Tinboom is such a wonderful wonderful woman and actually her whole family too unfortunately almost all of her family was were killed in the concentration camps of the, the nazis because um she was a uh, uh um she never got married she never married um she and her sister never married but and they lived with their father in the the netherlands um i believe dutch yeah something yeah in and um uh, in Holland or something like that, but anyways, they the the Nazis came in and took over the the country, and then they started to round round up all of the Jewish people and send them to the concentration camps. And her father was a very great Christian man, a very old, godly man. He said, "No, this is wrong," and so they invited the the. Jewish people to come into their house and they worked with the underground resistance to get them out of the country. So the, their, their house was kind of a, a staging point to getting the Jewish people out of the country and they built a, sec, uh, a secret compartment so that when the, the SS, the secret police came, then the Jewish people could hide back there. And one day, one of their neighbors informed on them, so told them, betrayed them for for some money and the the secret police came into their house they couldn't find the jewish people because they were hiding behind that wall but they they still took all of cory ten boon's family 
they took them to the concentration camp. And in the concentration camp, her sister died and her father, father died. And miraculously, she was able to get out. And her, her sister told her, you, you will go out. Even when she was dying, she, she prophesied that, Corey, you are going to be set free. And by some miracle, it was a, a clerical error. Corey Tinboom was set free. And what God told her is that, and also her sister told her, is that when, when you do get out, you must tell people about what we've learned here. And the message that her sister wanted Corey to tell was that no matter how deep you go, God is there with you. And that God's love is more powerful than any of the hatred and the the evil things that we experience here on earth. And that wasn't Corey's message. Corey, in her heart, she hated the people who killed her sister. She hated the the people who were, um, you know, the the guards, the prison guards and everything. But God worked, worked in her and also through her sister. So the rest of her life, I believe that she went to the prison camps when she was in her mid-50s. And after she got out for the rest of her life, she went around preaching the gospel and sharing about what God did. And she even had an opportunity to meet some of the, some of the uh, prison guards who, who were over her in the, in the camp and, and to share God's love with them. She is a really great, uh, great woman. If you, if you bar- borrow that DVD, there's a part when she's sharing in the in the end and it's it's actually her oh wow i feel like the the love from this lady so read about Corey ten boom another one is john sung um he was a guy from southern china from the same area where um my grandfather is is uh is from and he was he became a christian and uh um if he came over to New York to go to seminary, Union Theological Seminary in New York. And at that time, there's a, you know, a lot of people who are very intellectual and, and stuff. And, and he felt like, wow, this is not the Christianity that I know. And he was so fervent in his Christianity and his, his belief and passionate that they actually put him in the insane asylum for a while <laughs> because they thought he was crazy. And eventually, he, when he went back to, to China, he was like, okay, here's my degree over the side of the ship, you know, because that's not, not, not nothing good for me. But that, that guy, John Sung, S-U-N-G, he was a very powerful man. He ministered in um, the city where uh, my, my wife was from in, in, in Malaysia. He went through Malaysia and Singapore and Indonesia and also in southern China. He was a contemporary of Watchman Nee. He's a very powerful example if you read his biography. Eric Little. Um, how many of you have seen Chariots of Fire? Bum, bum. Patrick has for sure. Right? You know that movie where they're running along the beach? Yeah, so the Eric Little is, is one of the two main protagonists in that movie, and they're talking about how he refused to run on Sunday because of his Christian conviction. And it was a lot of pressure. Even the king of England was saying, why aren't you running for your country? 
And he said, no, I cannot. And, but, you know, God honored him. God honored, honored him for, for what he did. He was, his, his signature run was, I think, in the 100 yards. But he wasn't able to run in that one. Instead, he ran in the 400 yards, and he got the gold, gold medal for Scotland. But what they don't say in Chariots of Fire in the movie is that afterwards, after he won the gold medal, he went to China as a missionary. And eventually, he died in the Japanese internment camp there of a brain, brain infection. But he also wanted, he gave his life for, for God. So examples like these are good examples that we can look to as, as fathers. When we feel that, oh man, this calling that God has called me to is too difficult. This thing that God asked me to do is too difficult. We have a great cloud of witnesses. We have all of these examples that we can look to, that yes, it's possible. God can use these normal people to do extraordinary things. It is possible. There's many, many others. Um, I, I, I love to read, read these stories, so you can ask me if you, if, uh, if you want recommendations. But... Um, so we, we have those who have gone before. We have a great cloud of witnesses. They're cheering us on in heaven now, saying, go, you can do it. Second, we have a game plan. In verse 1, second part, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So the author of Hebrews gives us a game plan that we can use as followers of Christ. So as if we want to be good fathers and model godliness and discipleship, we aren't left to our own devices like, well, how does that work? Now what do I do? We, ha- we have a game plan. First, throw, uh, throw off everything that hinders. These things aren't necessarily bad in themselves but they're hindering us from running the race that we should run. Paul, he said, yes, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. We need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to tell us what is not beneficial in our lives. A lot of times we can, we can you know, argue that it's okay, and yeah, we may be right that it's okay, but not for us, you know, or not for someone else. And that's, their, that's between them and God. Sometimes God will tell you something is not okay for you, but it may be okay for somebody else, and that's between them and God. But you need to listen to the Holy Spirit for yourself, to, and He will tell you what is okay and what is not okay. What is hindering you from running the race the way you should? The second thing that we have in our game plan is that we need to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Sin is, is like butter. It's very easy. It's easy to slip into. Right? Easy to eat and get fat. <laughs> no. Sin is, is, very, is, is like butter going in and, and like thorns and, and sticker weeds coming out. It's easy to get and hard to get out to get out of. Sin is deceitful. 
The devil is a liar. He will always tell you there is going to be no consequences. He's always going to say, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. No, one, no one's going to know. No one, you won't get caught. You're not going to face any consequences. It's, it's a lie. We need to viciously uproot sin in our lives. Don't just trim it back like, you know, taking the, the hedge cutters and shaping our sin into nice, you know, shapes. No, we need to cut it down and uproot it out of our lives. Don't make it presentable. Don't manage sin in your life. Don't permit it to, to keep going and say, oh, I'm just going to keep it at manageable level. You need to uproot it and get it out of your life. And a lot of times, this is going to mean a hard fight. It is a hard fight. Jesus had to fight against temptation. He never sinned, but he had to fight. He, was, he, was, he said, Lord, Father, if it's your will, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus had to, had to fight. In the same way, we need to fight. Don't expect that sin is just going to go away so easily. You need to have a determination. Not only it's maybe impossible with you, but together with God, you can overcome it. If you determine that, no, I'm not going to give up, you need to be like, like Rocky Balboa. You know, it's like, no, not giving up, not going down. You know, how many rounds do they go? 15 rounds? It's like, 15 rounds, I'm still here. I can hardly see you, but I'm still here. You know, you, you need to be like Rocky Balboa. You know, eventually you're going to knock out sin. And then the good news is, is that God, he's going to bring you to a, 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 a higher plane. He's going to bring you to a higher plane. And it will get easier. But sometimes we are so deep into sin, and we feel that we cannot get out, that there is no way that we can, we, that we can overcome the sin. And so we just accept it, and we try to make it manageable. But that's not what God wants. He wants you to run the race, not being entangled in sin. These are the words that we need to hide in our heart so that we're not buffeted here and there by emotion. We need to stand on the word of God. We need to hide these things in our heart. Not for Sunday. These words aren't for use on Sunday because we're here, we feel good already, we praise God, you know, everything. But they're for use on the other days of the week. When you're feeling that you don't feel that, that, that. Then your feelings are not the same as you, you feel here. That's when you don't go on feelings. You need to go on by faith on the word. Finally, the thing we learn here is not only throw off everything that hinders and sin that easily entangles, but then we need to run. And not only run, but run with perseverance. Perseverance not giving up. Keep going. It, it, it requires uh, 
um, you know, a, an ability to, we have to train ourselves to defer pleasure, right? You need to, instead of like everything, you know, pleasing myself right now, I need to put that aside so that I can get this bigger reward later on. And that's what they kind of teach you to do through school, right, and college and stuff. It's because you need to defer, learn to, to put aside the things that you want to do and instead do the things that you need to do. And you need to do that consistently and over a long period of time. That's why an employer, when they look at your resume, they see that you've graduated with this and that degree. Not, I mean, the, the knowledge that you gain from that is somewhat. But they want to see someone who has learned how to defer pleasure, delayed gratification. You know, they, they've, they've, they've learned how to focus on, on what needs to get done and be persevering in it. It's a difficult, difficult thing. Um, one thing I, I learned from my father here, my, my papa, is that perseverance, because he's a very faithful Faithful man, you know. In during my life, then I I saw that he's persevering and faithful to his family. He never never left us and never talked about about leaving leaving us. So I really appreciate that, you know. Also, he is very faithful in, um, you know, working hard and also very faithful in the family. I mean, in in the church, every Sunday, our our family would be at. Sunday morning, we would be at church unless we were on vacation, you know, somewhere else. But every Sunday morning, we would, we would be at church. Our family would be at church. So I, I learned that and I kind of take it for granted because I grew up that way. But I shouldn't take it for granted because I learned it from, from my father. We need to be persevering. We need, as fathers, we need to learn these things from Jesus and do them in our lives so that our children, when they look at our example, they're going to see the, the path that they should be on. And the, the, when, when they're on that path, when they grow up, they're not going to turn from it, right? I think it says that in Proverbs. In um, the last thing that we have, not only do we have a game plan, but we have a model in Jesus. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So the third treasure that I take from these verses is not only that I have those who have gone before and also I have a game plan but I have a model in Jesus. I have somebody who's shown me how to do it. He's gone before and he showed, showed us the way. That's what it says. You follow him. It's like you're following the way that, that he went. Right? So when I feel tired and discouraged, I can at least know at times Jesus was, was tired and he, was, he felt pressed. 
he, he was not immune just because he was fully God, but he was also fully man. He was subject to all the same pressures and temptations that we are, yet he did not sin. So he's my model. So I follow Jesus as my model. And then I ask my children to follow me. And later on, they're going to learn more that, oh, when I'm following my dad, actually I'm following Jesus. And they're just going to keep on going in that same path. Paul, he told the Corinthian church, he said, follow me, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. In chapter 11, verse 1, Jesus suffered the same way we do. He felt tired. He felt pressure. He felt hunger. He felt physical weakness. He was betrayed and abandoned by his friends. Hebrews 4, 15-16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So it's an encouragement to us that Jesus is our model, that he went before us and showed us the way. That's why when we try to be godly fathers, and be examples, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Not forget who, who's our going and where, where we're going. You know, like I, we talked about before, the, the weight of fatherhood is something that's common to, to all fathers, whether they're Christian or not. But as Christians, as we know God, we have the advantage of knowing, knowing His Word. And we have the advantage of knowing what to teach our, our children, and you know the the if we are not Christian, if you know people they are fathers and they are not Christian, they do the best that they can, but they don't know. They just are doing the best they can, but as as Christian fathers, we we know exactly we want to follow the model of Jesus. Okay, and finally, we have a God. To help us. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. The author is someone who he had it in his mind even before he put his pen to paper. He knew the plans that he has for you even before you were born. You were born, he, the Bible says in Paul, he tells the men of Athens in uh, Acts chapter 17, it says, God set, set time, appointed times and places where men should live. And he let them live and then seek him and perhaps find him, though he is not far from each one of us. God set the times and places where we were to live. He is the author of our faith. And then at, at the certain time, he knew the right time. He sent somebody to talk to us or we watched a movie or we read a book or we went through some experience and the Holy Spirit was working inside of us even before we decided for Him and it was calling us to Him. And then we, we, we said, yes, Lord, and we gave our heart to Jesus. So He was the author 
of our faith. We didn't say, hmm, I guess I'm going to find out who God is and how to be saved. And then we go and we do all the research and we arrive at that conclusion ourselves. No, is God. He was calling us to him. And the Holy, he sent his Holy Spirit to work in our heart, to soften it up. Remember Jesus told the, the parable about the man in the vineyard and then the fig tree. I think it was a fig tree. It was some kind of tree. And then the, the master of the vineyard said, what, this tree never has, has fruit. Every year I come, no fruit. What's, just cut it down. And then the, what does the vine dresser or the man who takes care of the garden say? He says, wait, wait, give it one more year. Let me dig around it and fertilize the soil, prune it back, and then give it one more year. If it doesn't give fruit next year, then we'll cut it down. Jesus told, he said, this is how it is. God wants people to repent. He said, God wants people to repent. He gives us chance. He fertilizes the soil around us. He prunes us so that, that he gives us every chance to accept him. He doesn't put up barriers making it hard. I don't want this person to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. And he works, works in their life through the circumstances and situations so that nobody is beyond his reach. Until all we have to do is express, use our free will to say, yes, I accept you. But that decision would not even be possible if Jesus were not there, if he is not the author of our faith. He is the finisher and perfecter of our faith. Not only does he start it, but he's faithful to complete the work that he began in us. Philippians 1.16. That's a very, uh, I know Pastor Kenny really likes that song. That he who began, is faithful to begin the work in you will be faithful to complete it on the, uh, until the day that Jesus comes. Is like God who started the work in us, he's going to be faithful to complete it. He's always with us, by our side. When we fall, he's there to, to lift us up. When we're discouraged, he's there watching over us, wanting to strengthen us. When we feel weak, he's there to make us strong. God is with us all the time, close by us, not far away. He is with you. He's the perfecter of your faith. You can't do it on your own. You need to rely on him. The faster you learn that, the easier it's going to get. We rely on Jesus. Turn to him when you need help. So these, these verses I wanted to share with you today, I hope that they will encourage you to know that if God has called you to such a great and solemn trust as fatherhood, he is going to enable you to do it. I want you to keep these words in your heart so that when you face difficulties, you aren't responding just to the emotion in life, but you're responding according to your faith, the things that are outside of you that you can hold on to, that are firm and immovable. These, these promises for God, from God are for you. They're for each of us, even if we're not fathers, this is how, what we need to know in order to walk the, the path of discipleship. God is, is faithful to us. He is a good God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to um, 
invite Steve Judd, I, I believe. Are you going to do something for the fathers? And I think uh, after you're done, then we'll do a prayer, prayer time. Okay.